The Everyday Style School podcast is brought to you by our collection of capsule guides and style masterclasses. Maybe you're struggling with creating a style that really feels like you, or maybe you're overwhelmed by your overstuffed closet, or maybe you just want an easy, done-for-you wardrobe plan. Whatever you need, we've got a solution for you. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com and use code PODCAST at checkout to take 20% off of your next purchase. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at youreverydaystyle.com. Hello, gorgeous. You're listening to the Everyday Style School podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Mary, and I've been dressing real women just like you for over 20 years. Now I'm on a mission to teach women around the world how to create easy, effortless style without confusion and overwhelm. If you're ready to create a wardrobe you love and feel confident every day so you can live the life you want, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast. You know those really super positive, the glass is half full, let's find the silver lining in every situation kind of people? I believe that we call them optimists. Well, I got a lot of feelings about those kind of people. Sometimes I sort of want to smack them, but mostly I want to be them. I want to be the kind of person who chooses joy as a default mechanism. I want to look for the positive in everything. And I want to be the person who counts her blessings every single day, even in the face of adversity. It might surprise you to know that that is not me. At least it's not my default setting. I have the tendency to believe that the worst is going to happen, but I see these optimistic people manifesting even more good in their lives. And I want that. I really, really want that. And if you're listening and nodding because you want that, I want that for you too. In just a minute, we're going to talk about how to become one of those people who sees the good in every situation, even when you're not feeling it. I think you're going to love today's guest. I know I really do. I should note, though, that we recorded this interview about two months ago. So this was before our worlds opened back up. So if you hear things that don't seem timely anymore, just roll with it. Remember the past. But before we meet today's guest, I want to share with you that my plans to start the Everyday Style Network are back on. Hooray! If you're new to the show, last summer I had plans to start a network of everyday stylists certified by me in the everyday style method so that women all over the country, heck, women all over the world, could get professional help from a trained stylist who understands our philosophy and mission and approach to style. Around Christmas time, we got so many emails from women asking if we'd launched yet and if they could find a stylist in their area as a gift for a woman in their life. And sadly, I had to tell them that because of COVID-19, our plans had to be put on hold. But friends, the time has come to make this vision a reality, and I am beyond excited for it. I haven't been this excited for anything in a very long time. I truly believe that this is the best way to impact millions of women and help them live better lives simply because they like the way they look. Friends, that's really powerful stuff. And I know that you can learn so much from this show. I've got the emails and I've got your reviews to prove it. And thank you for all of your kind words. But I also know the power of having someone right there with you, holding your hand, saying, Linda, with love, those pants are doing nothing for you. We can do better. 
or Linda, you don't need 17 black short sleeve t-shirts. Pick the best three and let go of the others. There's value in having that person right there with you. And I wish it could be me, but it can't. So we're going to create a network of stylists all over the country, all over the world to help someone be right there with you. So stay tuned. All the news will be coming soon. But first, we need some stylists to certify. If you sent in an application or filled out the interest form last summer, don't worry, you should have gotten an email from me with a special little gift for your patients. But if you've been listening to this show and thinking, wait, I could do this, or, oh, I really want to do this, or someone is telling you that you should be doing this, that you're really good at style, this is the time to listen to that voice. I'm looking for women who have three things. Here they are. Number one, an eye for style. Number two, a heart for serving everyday women. And number three, the desire to build a profitable business for yourself. In the network training, I'm going to teach you everything I did to turn a $100 investment into a $100,000 a year business. Girl, I have made all the mistakes. I figured out all the systems, and it's my goal to give the network stylists exactly what I wanted and what I needed when I was figuring it out all by myself. I don't want anybody to go through it all by themselves. So if this sparks something in your heart, even if you're like, oh, that's crazy. I could never do that. You owe it to yourself to find out more. We are starting in September. We're going to let you get through the summer. We're going to let you get your kids off to school. And then we are going to start with a very limited group the first time around. So don't wait. If you're interested, get on that wait list. Head over to the show notes on our website for this episode. And just fill out the interest form. That's all you got to do. Even if you think, oh, this is crazy. And oh my gosh, could I really do this? Oh, this sounds so cool. But what would people think? Girl, just stop. Just stop. Go fill out the interest form and then expect good things to happen. And on that note, let's get into today's conversation. When I checked out today's guest's Instagram profile, her happy smile was so contagious and her warm energy was radiating through my phone. And frankly, anyone whose job title is optimism expert is welcome to come on this show anytime. Call me. I am really excited to share today's conversation with you. Carla and I had a blast recording it, if you can't tell. And then after we were done, we kept chatting for almost an hour. And I got to tell you, it's one of the most meaningful conversations I've had in a very long time. We just connected on such a deep level and it was wonderful. I know that you're going to love her as much as I do. So let me stop running my mouth and introduce today's guests. Carla Smith is a personal transformation coach, speaker, writer, and optimism expert dedicated to guiding people to courageously choose to live a life of their own creation. She believes that we all have great vision for our lives, but often we're in our own way. Her mission is to help as many people create a new approach to embracing change so they feel capable and equipped to face life with confidence, optimism, and joy. Hi, Carla. Welcome to the Everyday Style School. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks, Jennifer. So when I got your application to be on the show, I immediately was like, yes, we have to have somebody who is an optimism expert because right now everybody needs a little more optimism. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about 
how you became an optimism expert. Like how that is not a job title I ever saw growing up that that was a thing I could be. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got started. Yeah, thank you. It's so true. Um, So I think like many of uh, your listeners, it didn't start in that place, right, of being an expert at optimism. I really came to it after going through my own personal transformation. And um, that started, you know, about 10 years ago. Prior to that, I would call myself, you know, a, a scraps girl. I really was the kind of person who pleased everybody else except myself. I spent Mm. a lot of time um, putting myself at the bottom of the list in order to make everybody else happy. Right. And yeah. yeah, And so what happened is that I did that for a really, really long time. I feel like I was sort of groomed to do that when I was little. And then as I got older, I ingested that and started just living that as my truth, almost like I wore that as a badge. And as uh, that grew more and more exhausting, I really started to feel resentful and angry and empty. And as uh, that grew and grew inside of me, I got to a place that was really dark in my life for sure. Um, But on the other side of that, I had the great fortune of recognizing that I had a choice in my life to live a life that was for me and others or to continue what I was doing. And so uh, choosing the first option (laughs) uh, was such a great uh, experience in my life. And at that time, I then went back to school. Um, I studied uh, life coaching and started my own private practice as a personal transformation coach. And that has led me with, along with my own practices, to really study optimism at a high level. And now I offer workshops and uh, I have a weekly show that I do on optimism that people can join. And I, I just love the idea that all of us have this opportunity to choose to look at life from this perspective. I love that. We're going to stick a pin in optimism for just one second because (laughs) there's something on your, your form that you sent to me that I was like, we got to talk about this. And you said, hang on, I'm going to, I'm going to read it. Okay. Um, that your life experiences have been a catalyst for your own personal transformation and proof that we can create the life we want Mm -hmm. when we put our attention intentions on our vision, belief, and action. I am now, this is the part that I want everyone to listen to because we're going to talk about this. I am now the stepmom of seven beautiful children. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Hats off. Thank you. After remarrying the love of my life in 2019 and live an incredibly rich life. Okay. Cause I'm nosy. I want to talk about that part. <laughs> I love it. It's so great. Yes. Okay. So remarrying the love of your life. That means you were first married to this person, correct? No. Oh no. no. I remarried to. Oh, you remarried yes. to the love of your. Okay. Now okay. The love of... Yeah. Okay. Oh, that would have been so... a better story. <laughs> Yeah, no, Carly, it totally would have. It would have been a better story. I'm so sorry. <laughs> can, can you make that happen for us? I can't. I'm really, I'm really happy with the guy I did marry. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So you got remarried and it was to the love of your life. I, got yeah, it. Okay. Yes. But let's talk about seven children. Yeah. Are, are, 
is it a yours and his and ours situation or just his or how does that work? Such a good Where do the seven? Yeah, where so, do the seven kids come from? So I call mine the four originals. So I have four kids okay. of my own that came from my first marriage, and then uh, he has three kids who are now my beautiful stepchildren. So we call ourselves the mixed nine. <laughs> the mixed nine. That's yeah. a big family. Yeah, That's it's a, a big, big family. What are the age ranges? Uh, so our youngest turned 16 yesterday. That's uh, okay. And then our my oldest is 26, turning okay. 27. Yeah. So I was going to ask you what kind of vehicle you have to yeah. drive nine people around, but that's probably not a, something that happens. No. Although I okay. will just say that like last year we went to New York City for New Year's Eve and we rented one of those hilarious, you know, airport kind of vans where everyone yeah. could fit in for sure. Yeah. So <laughs> to drive there. So that's, yeah. yeah, those are fun to, those are fun to yeah. drive. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm really, Carla, I'm really happy that you married the love of your life. Mm-hmm. I'm a little sad that you didn't remarry the same person after like rediscovering <laughs> yeah. the love, love of your, of your life. life. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> totally a better story that way. <laughs> I would have been a really good story. I'm so, I feel like I've fully disappointed you now. <laughs> no, 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 you haven't. But you know what? If there's anyone listening who has remarried an ex-spouse, Please reach out to me because I want to talk about that. Yeah, that's a good story. But I will say that the reason I got to the place where I could marry the love of my life is totally because of the work I did in becoming an optimist, for sure. Awesome. Way to bring it back to what we're actually talking about. Good segue. You you should run the interview, Carla. All right. So let's talk about what does it mean to be an optimist in the real world? Because sometimes, and, and maybe you can talk a little bit about what are some of the myths about optimism? Because when you see these people, and I'm thinking mm-hmm. of a meme, I talk about memes on the show, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, the guy, the little like cartoon dog guy is sitting at the table drinking a cup of coffee and there's fire all around him. And he's like, it's fine. This is fine. Right. Everything's fine. Yeah. I think sometimes yeah. that's what we think of optimism. Like everything's just mm-hmm. fine all the time. And sometimes it's very mm-hmm. clearly not. So yeah, what does, what does it mean really to be an optimist? Yeah. So I I love the simple sort of definition. First off, I think that optimism is really about perception, right? So we, it's a way of thinking and, and then that translate into a way of being. And I think that when we can think that the world is permanently and generally, you know, good, like our life is generally and permanently good versus uh, the temporarily and specifically we face adversity that's really what it's about. It's absolutely not about that there isn't ever fires. Of course, we face challenges all the time in our life. That's part of the human experience, but they aren't our constant life, right? And when we can look at the the gifts in our life, when we can look at the things that are going well, when we can like um, tune into our resilience, you know, all of these uh, kind of qualities that we have as humans, problem solvers, you know, all of these things, it allows us then to have a perception of our life that is not negative and instead feels like we're going through life in a joyful and positive way. That is such a great description. Say it for us one more time. The belief that life is... So permanently and generally, our life is good and temporarily and specifically, we face adversity and challenge. Oh my goodness. If you're driving, don't write that down. But if you are not, write that down, commit it to memory that... Mm -hmm. Like put it on a post-it note. If you remember our show with Melissa Rhonda, put it on a post-it note somewhere to see Mm -hmm. it every day. That is fantastic. All right. So 
I don't know that I am naturally an optimistic person. I try really hard, but can we become more optimistic if we're not naturally wired that way? Are some people just naturally wired to see the good in things, to believe that it's all going to work out okay, all of that good stuff? And if you're not somebody who comes from that that perspective naturally, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. Such a good question. So all of us are unique and we all have really you know special gifts and some people have like optimism, you know, is part of their naturally wired gift, right? Their natural skill set or, uh, you know, gifts that they're born with. For sure, I believe in that. Yeah, uh, But I also know that everything is a practice, you know, I wouldn't be a tr- personal transformation coach if I didn't believe we could all transform all the Good time, point. right? They're, right. So, so, you know, I may be a little biased, but I absolutely believe that it is possible to practice optimism. I think optimism is like a muscle, right? And the more that we use it, the stronger it gets. And the less we use it, it starts to atrophy. So it is this opportunity to shift the way that we see the world really intentionally. Like we have to really pay attention and be intentional. Are there daily practices that you recommend to help us get there? Absolutely. Yeah. There's so many practices. I think, you know, that piece around um, self-awareness is huge. So we have to start noticing first where we are, right? So are we more pessimistic or more optimistic? So I love that you already identified yourself as maybe I'm not the most optimistic person. So it gives you like this place to begin, right? And then you get really curious about whether or not you want to Uh, change this. And then you start to put in more things that help you to be more optimistic on a daily basis. So I really feel like the first thing we have to do is become self-aware. So things like mindfulness practices help us with that, right? Uh, Increasing our self-awareness or, um, you know, we can just start to see I'm really ruminating in the past, or I'm really focused on trying to predict the future or controlling everything, right? So that's like our first step for sure. Um, I, I know for sure that when we can look at life as a gift, right? So we're really practicing gratitude at a high level that helps to uh, bring um, optimism up, right? We start to feel more up-leveled and uplifted. And so that obviously is more hopeful. Um, And then the big one really for me is minding our thoughts, right? So we have to spend a lot of time getting out of that negative self-talk that things never go well for me. I'm not the kind of person who good things happen to. You know, we, we can get really caught in the real that goes on and on in our heads, um, that inner critic that, you know, that goes around and around inside us thinking that we are undeserving or that everything is scary or that things don't happen for us. And so, um, you know, working on our mindset is a huge a huge part of optimism. And there's lots of practices that you can do for all three of those things. So earlier this year, we had Melissa Ronda on. She's a transformation coach Mm -hmm. who really works with weight loss. Mm -hmm. And we were Mm -hmm. talking about the importance of of mantras. And her mantra Mm -hmm. for 2020 was everything's coming together. And the first time she said that to me, Mm -hmm. I, I laughed because it was 2020. <laughs> like everything is not right. coming together. And 
she said right. to me, and I thought it was so powerful, well, what's the alternative? Everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, exactly. that was kind of my mantra for 2020. Like, <laughs> yes, you hit it right there. <laughs> and as we're talking, I think I might be describing myself as more of a cheerful pessimist because I do generally have, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of happiness, a lot of joy, mm-hmm. but my natural inclination is not to go to everything's coming together. It is this is all terrible. What are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> are there yeah. any mantras that you use or recommend to people? Cause I really love, and she just, what she had everyone do is just write down on an, on a, a post-it note, like everything's coming together. Mm-hmm. And so now I have some yeah. different ones for where I am at this point in, in 2021, where everything is coming together a little bit better. Uh, are there any mm-hmm. like simple mantras that you, that you have clients use or that you recommend? So mantras and affirmations are really similar and um, I love them because they are like our ability to um, see the world from a sort of positive perspective and we're right. And I think they're really, Mm -hmm. really important. I actually have like 50 that I do every day. Yeah. Every day. So it's like I just kind of memorize this beautiful list of uh, things that I say to myself So what I want to say about it, though, is that I think it's really personal, right? So if you're in a place where you feel like the world is, you know, a disaster, what can you say? Um, You know, I believe that life is going in a good direction, right? Or um, I'm working hard at creating um, positivity. Like it can be anything as long as it's the opposite of that negative thought that you're having. So with me, I uh, ask my clients always to write their own affirmations because I really believe that it has to be from your gut place, right? So it is about listening to your negative thoughts and turning them around in a positive way. Right. And gosh, like you said, how, how, how do I believe that at the beginning? You know, when I said, right, when I said, I love myself deeply, yeah. which is my most um, like sort of the mantra of my life is I love myself deeply. Um, when I first started saying that, that was total garbage in my brain. Right. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't love myself. That's not true. And I would look my Crossing your fingers behind your back. And so, but when I, but I kept it up. And so I said it to myself every day. I still say it to myself every day. And I say it now with so much joy. I have a love affair with myself now. Do you know? And so, what happens Mm -hmm. is we start to rewire our brains, right? And so, you want to pick something that isn't like that was a pretty hard one to say if you don't love yourself, it's hard, but it's also really powerful, right? To practice, practice, practice. And I think we, that's it. That's our lifelong journey, right? Is that we're going to just keep loving on ourselves a little bit more. And the more and more we do that, the easier it is to be hopeful about the outside world. That is good stuff. So one of the things you talk about is your inner critic. Mm -hmm. Tell us what an inner critic is. Yeah. So the inner critic is your mean girl that lives inside your head, you know, mm-hmm. that, that one that's always constantly going. And really there are sort of archetypes of them. So perfectionist, inner controller, there's all a sort of seven of them that I use personally in my practice. And they started when you were really little, probably from an outside source, right? They were sourced from outside, someone critical or giving an example mm-hmm. of what you should be doing. And then we internalize that so that we protect ourselves. So in reality, they're there 
to keep us safe and small, right? And so uh, they really are like this sort of default good thing, but they come out in such a negative, terrible way, right? So we end up putting ourselves down where, you know, you, it's this voice that tells you you're not good enough, that you're not, that you're undeserving, um, that, uh, you have to compare yourself to every other person, um, that you will never be able to do this, that you're a loser, all of those things that you hear in your head, um, kind of silently as you're doing something that, you know, is maybe a risk or, um, you know, a leap of faith or something where you're putting yourself out there, it'll come up and kind of shut you down, right? And it creates procrastinations, Taj, all sorts of really negative things and pessimism for sure, right? <laughs> yeah. Hmm, I think we're learning a little, yeah. Right? Oh, exactly. Interesting. You should mention that. So, one book that I love is Playing Big by Tara mm-hmm. Moore. Are you free? Mm-hmm. Yes. Love that book, of course. Uh, maybe yeah. I need to start writing her like every day and asking her to write. No, right. I want her to write a book for like elementary and middle school girls. Because mm-hmm. wouldn't it be great if our girls could start playing big, not have to change these thoughts to, you know, like I'm already behind the eight ball. What do I do mm-hmm. now? Like She talks about the inner critic quite a bit in that book. And she talks a lot about how women believe that they are motivated by their inner critic. And that one really hit me because, you know, I do Mm -hmm. believe that the only race I need to run in the world is against myself, right? Like I'm not Mm -hmm. really worried about my, what my competition quote unquote is doing. I just, I I always Mm -hmm. just want to be better, a better mom, a bit, a better, you know, wardrobe stylist, a better podcaster, all Mm -hmm. those things. And mm-hmm. I believe at, at one point I did believe that I was motivated by the, you're not good enough. So get better. And mm-hmm. Tara, Tara says, that's just kind of BS yeah. thinking that that's not exactly right. how that works. What are your thoughts on that? Exactly. So I totally agree. So if you would use the example, for example, of perfectionism, right, where we think, um, so perfectionists, generally speaking, think they have to work at this high, high standard, right? So we have high standards for ourselves. Our expectations are off the charts. We feel like, you know, that's a really good thing. We identify really with being, I'm, I definitely have that inner critic, uh, identified with being like at the highest level, right? But of course, we are all or nothing thinkers, right? So it's a hundred percent or zero, right? And so you spend all of this time trying to get to this hundred percent impossible standard that you've placed for yourself. So you're always feeling like a failure. Without a doubt. Yes, without a doubt. And so of course, until you get out of the idea that you have to be working at this high standard until you can be gentle enough with yourself to go, I'm working at 80%. I'm a rock star right now, right? Until you have that for yourself, that you can be good to yourself at the less than what your inner critic is telling you you have to work at, you're kind of messed up, right? Because you are always feeling like you're not doing enough or you're not good enough really, right? And so there's so much shame in that. Yeah. And there will always be somebody who is outdoing you in, in I yeah. mean, pick a category. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody mm-hmm. who's doing it better. Mm-hmm. And if you can't be that mm-hmm. person, well, then what, what do you doing? do? Just not do anything at all, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how do we turn that inner critic off? How do we turn her down, tune her out? So a couple of pieces that I use, definitely this, again, understanding your inner critic, getting to know 
her or him sometimes, uh, depending on it, who started the voice right in your head. Um, when we do that, when we start to get to know them, we can identify when they come up. So one of the techniques that I use when my inner critic comes out is to reframe right away. So if I say something like, oh, so I, I have a tremor, for example, in, in my hands. And so if I drop a glass, I'll call myself stupid, you know, like right away, instantly. And instead I'm like, I'm not stupid. I have a tremor. I made a mistake or it was slippery or whatever. So I immediately redirect my thoughts. And the more and more I do that, the less and less my inner critic has any clout, right? Because I'm basically disproving her every single time she comes up. So that's one of the techniques that I use. I think that's really, really impactful because we can notice our thoughts, right? We, we are very, that's one of the great gifts of being human. And then the other one is actually, it's funny that you mentioned Tara Moore, because for me, I love the inner mentor. I think it's just such a brilliant mm -hmm. idea, right? We all are intuitive. We all have that like soul voice inside of us. And, you know, when I was going through my darkest days, she was always talking to me as well, right? She was saying, you know, you, you are worth it in this little itty bitty sort of Horton hears a who on the clover. You know, I don't know. You know what I mean? That little voice. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. She, she's yeah. also there. And the more we can amplify that voice, the more we start to trust that we are actually worth taking, you know, counting on ourselves, you know, being our biggest cheerleader, being our biggest supporter, loving ourselves the most, right? So it's really a practice of tuning out or it's not even tuning out turning down the volume I think is a better way of describing because they really are with us probably forever right yeah, probably. Uh, so turning down the volume and turning up the volume on our inner mentor uh that is that's great yeah yeah yeah, for sure. I use her mentor. Uh, she has a recording that she uses. And so my inner mentor is named Blaze. So I oh. often ask when I was going through, I know it's, I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> when she, I don't even know what it means. I don't analyze it. But I, um, when I was in my, like in between becoming sort of stronger and stronger, I always asked myself, what would Blaze do? Right. So I started to really like, yeah, nurture that different way of thinking about myself. I love that. Do you think it's important to know where your inner critic comes from? Or sometimes is it just, it just is? For me personally, that's the work that I do is help people to unearth those patterns that repeat over and over and they come from an original place. So I definitely know there's some value in that. I know people get a lot of relief from figuring it out and then being able to put that to rest and be their person for themselves, right? So instead of having had this unconscious connection to something, some ideal standard or whatever, based on really something negative that happened when they were young, uh, they can now really step into their own greatness with their own love and own uh you know, empowered feelings about themselves. But I, there is also, you know, let's just move forward a little bit. Let's not get stuck in having to unearth for a, you know, a million years. I do it pretty quickly because I don't think we have to like stay there for a long, long time. But I, I do think there's some, there's some good in, in figuring it out a little bit. I like what you said though, but we don't have to spend a million years on it and spend it a, a long, you know, right. like, 
maybe right. that. I think I think you're right. I think there definitely is value in knowing. Oh, I know where that thought came from, mm-hmm. and that that person mm-hmm. is fundamentally flawed. So, you know. And I think there's just some healing there, right? Like we can heal a little bit yes. when we know that we we aren't what other people have perceived us to be, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I I have this little thing that I that I tell myself and my children and and everyone else that I talk to is, don't take advice from unwise people because you're not getting good advice. Yeah. And you know, if you look at the people who have put some of those inner critic thoughts mm-hmm. in your head they may not be people with a lot of wisdom mm-hmm. to have been speaking on, you know, what they, what they put in your head. Mm-hmm. They may be fundamentally flawed. They may be, mm-hmm. you know, they may be ignorant. They may just not be very smart. That's, yeah. that's, that's an option. <laughs> and yeah, for sure. And I think also they're just unconscious to the way they're yes. treating people. Yes. right? Yes. And so there's this opportunity, like, which I love so that we can grow as humans, right? Like individually, we can grow when we are in forgiveness and compassion for other people. It makes us such better people because sometimes those people are your parents, right? Or, you know, a trusted teacher. Oh, probably a lot of the time. time, Exactly. And so then if we can be, you know, compassionate about the fact that they're limited, that like you said, their, their wisdom is different than the wisdom that we're now gleaning for ourselves. They live in this unconscious world where they're so unaware of their own way of operating you know, that's, that's their life. And, you know, we can't help them with that, but we can definitely help ourselves move forward from that place. So that's an interesting thing though. If a lot of our inner critic is our parents and let's be Mm -hmm. honest, it probably is. is. It Mm -hmm. is. I mean, (laughs) in this podcast, I don't ever feel like it's my place to share other people's experiences. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, you know, I'm I'm not going to share those those things. But yeah, I think that's where a lot of stuff comes from. Now, as a mother, I don't want to think about my girls like having to unpack the damage that I did. (laughs) How do we how do we not become inner critics for our kids? It's such a yeah, I mean, wow, I hope that I haven't, you know, but of course, I think we so I think the inner critic is not is not all um, just evil, you know, abusive parenting. Right. Right? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, definitely not. I no. mean, in my case, there was some of that for sure. And so it's been, so I had a lot of things to unpack for sure. And so, but with my kids, you know, there are going to be things. So as I, when I was unconscious to my perfectionist inner critic, right, which was from when I was little, I definitely, when they were really little, I mean, they're big now. And I, I have the great pleasure of seeing that mostly what I did was great. You know what I mean? But when I were little, there were definitely moments where, uh, especially at the beginning of school with my very first, uh, with my daughter, you know, where I'm like, okay, do this, make sure your printing's in the middle of the, you know, in, Mm. in the box, make sure it's, you know, and because of my own stuff. And so I, I remember there was a moment when my daughter was in kindergarten where I, she was such a bright eyed and like just so enthusiastic and smiley all the time. And I was on her. It turned out that she needed glasses and we didn't know it at that time. She Aww. could not see and her printing was atrocious. And I can remember looking at her and kind of seeing like her sparkle in her eye had gone and it broke me. Like I mean, yeah. <laughs> broke me as a parent. Like that just broke me when you said right? that. Yes. And yes. I'm like, Carla, that's it. Enough now. 
And so I stopped. And in the meantime, we sort of figured out that she needed glasses and all of these things. And so I feel like they're so kids are so reparative and they're incredible. They're so resilient. And so she bounced back and her sparkle is there, you know, today. And we have a beautiful, I mean, she's one of my dear, you know, we like our best friends, you know, it's such a mm -hmm. cool thing to mm -hmm. have a grown daughter now. So I just think it's all fixable as long as you're willing to do your own work, right? So you might be the inner critic and then you can say, that's not yeah, a good, yeah. that's not good enough for me as a parent. So I'm going to shift that. I, I feel like that's all what optimism is all about, right? Like there's hope for things to change. That is a very, very good point. I wonder, as you were talking, I was thinking about this. This is sort of, I think we sort of are part of the first generation to really think about this inner critic stuff, you know, all, all of this, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a lot more prevalent now. It's not weird to say that I have daily mantras where maybe 30, right. 40 years ago, that would have been weird. That would have been very weird. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if yeah. this is part of like the, every kid gets a trophy generation though. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah. we just don't want anybody to feel bad. Just don't feel bad. Just <laughs> feel okay. And it's somehow so we got to find a happy yeah. medium in, in this because mm -hmm. I don't think that's doing the right things for our kids either but I but yeah agree. like the idea of your daughter's eyes losing their sparkle like hurts me mm -hmm. thousand miles mm -hmm. away how many years away like as a mom that hurts yeah. that hurts that hurts and you never want to say anything like I find myself never wanting to say anything to my kids that would like leave a lasting impression but as mm -hmm. a parent sometimes you sort of have to that's for kind of parenting sure. oh, that's a tough I one so. yeah and I think for you know having raised four kids I was a single mom for a bit a chunk of that and you kind of have to just rely on your uh your internal wisdom a lot right yeah I am not a like every kid gets a trophy mom at all <laughs> And, and I think it's paid off well, you know, my kids are really doing <laughs> what neither. they want to do and are successful and are not like, I, I feel like they're, you know, really productive and loving and generous people. I do know that we have to be gentle with our words when we're speaking to kids, we have to give them this opportunity to have space to speak back that they deserve respect as much as we do. So I think, you know, I'm 55. So I was, I'm really like on the cusp of like parents who only uh, let their children talk when they were spoken to, or do you know what I mean? uh, so I really had to like push the boundaries of allowing my kids to have like a relationship where they were able to talk freely about what they wanted with with respect of course um but also um not saying to them like you're perfect everything about you is amazing you can do anything in the <laughs> entire universe that you want right. you know i was really realistic about like what do you love let's make sure that that's the thing that we are like getting you involved in but if you get involved in it you're going to finish it so that you can make sure you know so i had some like clear rules with them about trying new things and, 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 but really wanted them to thrive instead of just survive. Right. So I, I think I did that. <laughs> Someday I'm sure they'll talk about it in therapy and maybe, you exactly. know, they'll come back and let you know how you did. <laughs> yeah. They've all been in therapy. So that, no, not all of them, but yeah. yeah. And that's good. Yeah. I want them to be in therapy. Yeah. Sure. I mean, if you need someone to absolutely. talk to, talk. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But I just, I just think that that's so, um, helping them 
thrive, not just survive. And, you know, at the end of the day, mm. I would just say, I just want my girls to know that they are crazy loved and the rest of it will just shake uh, out. Right. Like maybe they can forgive me for being human the way that I have looked mm-hmm. at my parents and said, okay, well, you know what? They're, they're human. Um, but at the end of the day, I was crazy loved. That's, that's, that's all they Absolutely. need. So that's so important. It, it really is. So let's get back mm-hmm. to our, mm-hmm. um, stopping this, seg- the negative self-talk, becoming more optimistic. Mm-hmm. So we've already talked about like, first of all, recognizing where you are and who you are and the thoughts that you're having. What are some mm-hmm. things that we can do daily? What are some practices mm-hmm. that that we can do to turn down the inner critic, to turn up the inner mentor and look at the world more op- optimistically? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about affirmations. I think those are really, really powerful. So write something that feels really gorgeous to you and practice that every single day. Uh, for me, I uh, I have a morning practice that I do every single day, uh, which started kind of haphazardly, I have to admit. You know, I got up with the uh, uh, sunrise every single day. You know, when I got divorced, my kids were school aged. And so it was really the only time I had where I could start to love on myself and be self-caring. I think that's a huge part of optimism is being hopeful that you are going to be okay, like starting from the inside out, right? So I got up with the sun. I got connected to my spiritual, you know, whatever that is for you, this, this idea that I'm in a world that's bigger than me, you know, watch the sunrise and it feels like a miracle every single day. I reflected every single day in two ways. I wrote in my journal in a really uh, powerful but compassionate voice about what every day felt like the day before, what kind of things I was learning, what kinds of things I was doing that were different or the same. You know, I was really honest to myself in that that self-reflection, but also not mean. So if I wrote about, if I wrote in my mean girl voice, I had, I wrote like, nope, I crossed it all out and then wrote it again in that redirecting way that I spoke about earlier. And then I had a gratitude journal. I think gratitude is one of the most transformative um, practices that we can put in place to make change in our lives because the more, you know, as Oprah says, the more we're grateful for, the more there is to be grateful for. And obviously gratitude and hope and optimism are all connected. So I started with just three gratitudes. We've all heard this, you know, lots of times, and it seems like, okay, another person telling me to like write gratitude statements, but they really change the way you see the world, right? As soon as you see life as a gift, it is one. Hmm. So when you say three gratitudes, is that just three things you're thankful for? Yeah. So the statements are, I am grateful for, and you just write whatever it is. It can be my, the, you know, the technician who gave me my manicure yesterday, the pine tree outside of my window, the fact that I could find my Sharpies, you know, it doesn't matter what it is, right? (laughs) It's just anything. And so, you know, now I have this sort of prolific gratitude practice includes now a full page of gratitude every single day where I'm like, can't believe I'm at the bottom of the page. You know, when I go for walks outside now, I notice everything from a place of gratitude. It just changes the way you look at the world, right? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I have a, a, a sort of prayer that I do every day for myself and others in my life. That's a gratitude prayer. So just all of these things and that but started from this place where I literally just wrote three statements down, right? And so that's what happens, I think, with all of our daily practices is that you build momentum around them, right? Um, I 
I, I have like a really simple one that I used quite early on, which is helping with mindfulness where you just put a lemon into water every morning and drink that, right? So it's like 30 seconds long. But in the practice, I really paid attention to like all of my senses. So the lemon water, you know, as it's the lemon is squeezed in my presser, you know, the sort of effervescence that comes off it, the lemon, how it sounds when it falls into the glass, the feeling of the water changing temperature on my fingers, like all of those pieces. So in 30 seconds, you're starting to practice being present, right? Which is going to get you out of those negative past thoughts that are ruminating and out of that always needing to predict what's going to come next, right? So control. And so things like these little tiny practices, they grow and grow and grow, right? The more that we put them in place. What would you say to somebody who's listening to this and they're like, I am just in such a bad place that I can't even do that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I think, you know, when we're in a really bad place, it's when we move away from the things that work. You're so right, right? It's really hard. We all have problem solved our entire life, right? We all know when things get bad that we've come out of them because we've had lots of things happen to us that have been challenging, right? I mean, it it sounds so simple and maybe a little bit... Um, blase, but it is what I did is doing one thing, babiest, tiniest, I can't fail at this step. So it might be if, if you're like sleeping until noon every single day and you're like exhausted and you can't get your, you know, can't get your, I was going to swear, sorry, can't get yourself <laughs> self out of bed, right? Then what you want to be doing is changing your alarm to like 11.55, do you know? Yeah. So instead of noon, you're doing five minutes earlier and then feel that you have done that for yourself because you have, right? You've given yourself five more minutes, right? And then you go down and down. So maybe that's the thing. Or maybe you do one gratitude statement just before you go to sleep and you don't even write it down. You just say, think of one thing you're grateful for, right? Or you have one affirmation. I mean, we have to be in action for ourselves. We can't we can't expect things to change if we're not doing, if we're not making any changes, right? They just won't. Yeah. So we, we do have to, we have to put some energy into it. You know, that really reminds me of like Mel Robbins mm -hmm. and her whole idea of momentum, yeah. not motivation. Mm -hmm. Like you're never going to feel right. like getting out of bed before, before noon. Mm -hmm. If you're really in this bad place, you're not going to feel like mm -hmm. it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. Just do it anyway. Yeah. Give yourself that momentum. Exactly. And that sort of begets a little wind that is easier to build on. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I, it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about, you know, I love myself or I'm in love with myself. You're like, I didn't believe that. Right. Do, but you did it anyway. You did it anyway. Not exactly. Not. And I, I used to have a boss that said, all the time. Trust the process till you see the results. Trust the process till you see the results. And exactly. I lean on that a whole lot when, you know, sometimes you're just like in the slog and you don't yeah. see the end of something and you don't even see that anything is working and it's so hard, It is, but you just trust the process until you mm -hmm. see the results. That's always, and always it is so, yeah, such a good, that's such a good way to look at it. And, and it is hard for sure. And no, you know, it's one of my favorite things about 2020 is Glennon Doyle saying we can do hard things. Mm. 
right? It's just so powerful. We can, uh, we just, and we, and we need to find one of the things that's really amazing that we can do when we are not in that dark place or in that challenge or in the adversity is practice these things so that when we are, we have a foundation of them, right? So it's a really powerful thing to start now when you're feeling okay, you know, to start practicing. So then when the things that are hard happen and they hit us, we have some stuff to lean back on. I like that. It's kind of a gift to your future self. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So remind us again of your definition of optimism, because I think that that's a great wrap up for that. Yeah. So my uh, definition of optimism really is that permanently and generally our life is good and temporarily and specifically we face challenge or adversity. That is so, so, so good. All right. My last question that I like to ask all of my guests is what is one thing that you would like our listeners to take away from? If it's, you know, a simple tip that they can do every day or maybe an overarching theme, what do you want our style sisters to put in their minds and hearts to walk away with today? Yeah. So I I want you to know that you don't have to be uh, already optimistic to build optimism, right? That you can do mm-hmm. this in baby, baby steps and take it, you know, slow. It doesn't, you know, it didn't happen for me overnight. You know, I've been at this now for 10 years. It's my lifelong practice. And I'm grateful to be in a life where I get to uh, keep on growing, right? Keep elevating. Um, and, and that's what I think the most important thing is, is that you don't have to know how to, you don't have to be there already. Yeah. That is perfect. Even for a cheerful pessimist like me. That is great <laughs> that's advice. Good. All right, Carla, tell us where we can find you on the internet. And I think you've got something for our listeners as well, right? Sure. Yes. I'm on Instagram at Carla Life Coach and on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Dare to Shine with Carla Smith. And I also have a meetup called Dare to Shine with Carla Smith, where I have the Monday Morning Optimist Club call every Monday. So it's a it's a place where we practice what I'm talking about uh, every Monday for an hour. Fantastic. Tell our listeners what you have for them. I have an e-guide called the seven steps to living a life of your own creation that you can download and start to use to create your life that you want. Perfect. We will have the links to all of that in the show notes. Carla, thank you for being on the show today and helping us learn to be more optimistic and encouraging us to turn down that inner critic so that we can live big, full lives and thrive, not just survive. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I've just loved this conversation and it's been lovely to be with you, Jennifer. Thank you. You're welcome. I Again, I'm really happy that you are happy with your husband. I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> He wasn't your ex-husband. He's not my ex-husband for sure. (laughs) You're like, oh, thank God he's not my ex-husband. Ladies, have an optimistic week. Find the gratitude everywhere you go, and I will see you next time. Hey, friend. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to head over to the website for any links, downloads, or resources we talked about during the episode. Go to youreverydaystyle.com slash podcast and find the episode you're looking for. While you're there, make sure you sign up for our email list. You'll get a weekly style tip as well as links to my favorite product of the week to help make style even easier. It's an email you'll actually look forward to getting, so don't miss out. We'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.